Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. Today, we're going to be talking all about Minecraft and the Minecraft Education Edition, which is absolutely taking over classrooms across the world. We have a fantastic developer from Microsoft itself coming on the show, and also an MIE from New Jersey who is a Minecraft mentor to tell us all about the great things that he's doing with Minecraft. But first, First, I want to share with you guys some of the neat things that have been happening in the world of Microsoft Education. We recently had the Skypeathon, a two-day celebration of connecting different classrooms. They had a goal to create classroom support for over 3 million miles worth of Skyping. And at last time I saw, they broke nine and a half million miles almost 10 million miles of of skyping back and forth video conferencing classes connecting with each other we're going to talk a little bit about that with steve today and i and i just got to say out there thank you guys so much for checking all that stuff out and connecting your classrooms um we had an amazing time the last couple days and if you've been a subscriber of our microsoft innovative educator spotlight series uh we've been having some great times talking with some mies about what they've been doing in their classrooms there's of course several great ways that you can connect with this show and all of our shows featuring microsoft education we love it when you find us on twitter at teachercast leave us a voice message over at teachercast.net slash voicemail email us at feedback at teachercast.net and of course you can subscribe to this and all of our shows over on teachercast.net slash audio and teachercast.net slash video and let me bring in a microsoft innovative educator to talk a little bit about not only what he did with skype but how he's being transformed by microsoft and minecraft to make his kids better steve isaacs welcome back to the show how are things with you my friend how are things going in new jersey Awesome, awesome. Um, it's been been really a great week. Um, you had mentioned Skypeathon, and we had uh, a, a just nonstop, um, just about every class session that I teach, um, we had somebody special skyping in over the last two days, uh, including the, it, we started off. It was great, Neil. We had um, Deirdre and Vu and Daniel, um, one of the developers at the Mojang office in Stockholm join us to kick things off. And that was awesome. Um, it was really neat to talk to, uh, to, to Daniel and just get his, his perspective on, you know, the, the growth of, of the pocket edition and the feature parody and, and all sorts of things that they do over there that are just awesome. Um, we also had uh, Adam Clark, otherwise known as wizard keen join my class. And he talked about things like wonder quest, which he's, um, the one of the stars of and producers of and his on a different session dragnaz came and joined us and and shared a lot about his role in a lot of the work that he does with adam and and um blockworks and and some other neat areas you know also in in minecraft and uh he's if you've ever seen some of the work dragnaz does um with redstone and command blocks and things it was uh it was really neat for my kids to kind of get to see what what's possible. Um, and it was kind of neat too, because throughout the week we kept hearing the term uh, professional Minecraft builder come up. And uh, I think for my kids, just for myself too, I mean, just hearing that and being, you know, it kind of, you know, lights a light bulb of like, wow, you mean I could be 
a professional Minecraft builder. Uh, and, now, now, uh, now, Steve, you're, you're getting ahead of yourself here, okay? You're, no, 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 <laughs> not me. I cannot be. I mean, my kids can be. So don't even. I wouldn't even. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't even go there. But uh, but the thought that one of my kids could someday do that would be pretty great. Now, um, Steve, you're 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 throwing out a lot of words here, and I want to make sure that we're we're starting on an equal footing here, because because you sure. threw out a lot of words there. I don't know what you're talking about yet. So, so before we get into some of the deep things here with Minecraft, why don't you introduce our guest from Microsoft? Absolutely. So, um, so Neil Neil Manigold um, is here with us tonight, and uh, Neil is um, on the Minecraft Education team. I believe title might be uh, pro- product director. I'm waiting to see what you come up with. <laughs> yeah, product director, uh, god of of Minecraft and education. I forget. Some, I've I've heard many. Senior manager, I believe, is Senior my manager. official title. Okay, Neil. <laughs> Neil, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm I'm great. Thank you very much for for having me. I'm used to introducing Steve, so hearing the reverse is uh, <laughs> is quite a role reversal. Um, but no, it's it's great to join the two of you and and talk Minecraft and talk Minecraft for learning. Uh, especially on the heels of of the Skypeathon, it was uh, great to be on the other side of that and be able to join a few classrooms over the past few days and and talk to them about what I do and what our team works on, uh, and just seeing the Twitter flood of the connections that are being made um, across countries and across continents is just it's so cool. I wish it wasn't a Skypeathon and it was just kind of a consistent thing that was part of yeah. of teacher practice, but I know we'll get there someday, and so having it be amplified uh, at least once a year is pretty amazing to watch that technology take off. I, I certainly enjoyed watching not only the Skypeathon hashtag, but also all the interactivity that's been going on. If you're out there and you're looking to connect with great educators, there's really only one place to go, and that's the Microsoft Education Center, which you can find over at, at education.microsoft.com. There are some amazing resources there connect with classes even though that the skypeathon is over right steve you can still reach out and find other classrooms and other experts to skype yeah, with absolutely. yeah no I, I like neil said i think it should be I, and i think it is the intention is for it to be ongoing but i think like like neil mentioned with amplifying it over these two days kind of raises awareness and brings it to the to the surface but that site is intended for people to you know all the time to just connect with um whether it be another classroom or an industry professional and that sort of thing. So let's take this topic really from the beginning here. Um, am I saying this correctly? Is it Minecraft or Mindcraft? Because that's always Ooh. the first question, right? <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> um, which did you say first, Jeff? Uh, is it, is, is it, I, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I, I, which one is it, Neil, again? I, I think it's... Um, Mine, mine with an, mine um, with an we, E. Okay, definitely mine with an E. <laughs> um, and and it is and it is Minecraft in all of its flavors, as as Steve knows full well. It is Minecraft Pocket Edition, Minecraft Education Edition, Windows Ten Edition, Beta, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, Wii U. Uh, there's so many flavors of the game to even keep track of. And it. Uh, and Go it's, ahead. It's, it's grown a lot. C- can we do maybe the, the two-minute condensed history of Minecraft here? What's, how did it start? Where did it get started? Could someone fill us in on how did we get this far? Yeah, so started in, started in Sweden by one person and then a small group. 
um, building a game and sending it out uh, for free to the community to see if there was any interest. Uh, there was obviously a little bit of interest uh, and it grows substantially over the past, I don't know, five, six years at this point. Um, at this juncture, our rough estimates are somewhere around 110 million copies sold of the game. Um, some of the most popular YouTube channels, you know, number one across pretty much every app store you could think of. Uh, and it really is part of the student's age generation lexicon, which is, I think, why it has such an interesting impact in education is it's a language that students already speak. And so the growth of the game and how much it permeates globally um, as not only a, a game platform for students to play, but also a creative platform for young people to express themselves is that's really been the most interesting thing for me from an education lens is it can not only be used as a game, it can not only be used by teaching and learning, but it can also as students grow. And I, Steve does a lot of this. I know with his students is also as a game making platform and also as a media creation platform, mm -hmm. which is, which is pretty cool. I mean, the, I was teaching five, six years ago and it was so cost prohibitive to think about some of the tools to have my students experiment with architecture and media design. And if they wanted to make their own living comic strips or stop motion animation and things like that. And you get a lot of that for free with technology embedded into your device and with Minecraft. And so watching what students can create when we don't put those guardrails in front of them has been the best part of the journey for me. So let's see if we can put together where Minecraft is in these categories. Because next week, uh, many of us are out there celebrating Computer Science Education Week. And, and many of us are going over to places like Code.org. And they're seeing all these different activities, one of which is a Minecraft activity. Where would you throw Minecraft? Is it a coding platform? Is it a programming platform? Is it multiple categories steve how would you classify what yeah. minecraft absolutely is if you were talking to a complete newbie like myself well the thing i love about it is um you know from a scaffolding in education standpoint um it it it's so scalable so you start at with young kids right and young kids are learning you know they're building they're 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 watching they're learning and then they're they start to evolve into their skill set with the game. And then they start to see things that other people are doing and they want to do those things. So their knowledge grows. And the game is incredibly deep in, in that you can get to a level where you're dealing with, I had thrown some terms out before, um, you know, I mentioned redstone and command blocks and, and things like that. So redstone takes you to this point of like engineering and automation where you're creating working systems in the game so that brings us to that computational thinking and computer science level um you know my kids are creating games within the game so they need to be doing those kinds of things they need to be figuring out how to do that so it starts to to get to that place but um but what i love is that that there's so it's so broad and and that it it I it's it seems to me from what I've seen that it's so organic in the way that evolution occurs, even with the kids at the like I teach eighth graders and seventh graders and some of them that start in the game, they might be doing more of the building as part of a team because that's the part they kind of learn initially. And then they start to to grow into the game more as well. So it 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 hits so many of those marks, um, which is is you know, just so neat about this. Um, 
is that you know for and, and you know and, and in terms of code.org and the hour of code um the there are a couple of minecraft themed activities in code.org that get you into the minecraft world experiencing you know um what what the game is like and doing the coding um in that format that's becoming you know comfortable and familiar where you know, educators can jump into code.org and have their kids do an activity, even if they're not having them, you know, actually playing, you know, the game, you know, in its full so if you know, it, extent. So if a teacher takes a kid over to code.org, do they have to install Minecraft or is, is no. it just so they can just do it, everything right there on code.org? Exactly. Yeah. So those activities are right in code.org. They're in the code.org format. They're beautifully themed to to Minecraft, so the kids immediately, you know, um, are drawn to that. And then I think what I've seen, which was kind of neat um, when we they started with the Code.org activities last year, I think for teachers that are still unsure of this whole Minecraft thing and what this game is, um, doing those activities, which is such an easy point of entry, gives them just this base understanding of the game, which is is a great way for them to kind of you know, break the ice a little bit about that. So, Neil, as we're going through our journey here, Minecraft started, as you said, in Sweden, I believe. Is that the right, that was the right country? Correct. Yep. And and at some point in time, Microsoft purchased, am I saying this the right way? Purchased Minecraft. And, and now from there, we have Minecraft Education Edition. Could you tell us a little bit about what, 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 what is Microsoft's vision for Minecraft and where has it gone recently and where do you see it continuing to go? Yeah, I think it's a great question. So there's there's two kind of schools of thought. I think there's there's definitely a amount of work that we've been doing with Minecraft Education Edition, which is very specifically targeted at schools and educators and students and We've worked on features to enable some level of classroom management to make it easier for students to take evidence out of the game and use that for formative assessment and a, a variety of other things that we're doing now and, and hopefully we'll continue to do into the future. Um, there's also just this general use of Minecraft in all of its flavors in education. And one of the things we're always quick to discuss with folks is, and, and you know, Steve knows this when we do events and things like that, is it's very much the reverse of, of code.org. Uh, Hour of Code is so lightweight and it's such mm. a nice entry point because it doesn't care what browser you're on. It doesn't care what device you have. And, and one of the things I want to make sure we mention is also that, um, not newly available, but we made it a little bit easier to see, is you can also download the Hour of Code experiences for Minecraft, both last year's and this year's. And so you don't even need internet access to be able to pull that off. And so it's a nice entry point for anybody. Um, Education Edition is very specifically tailored for schools, um, but we also have folks that, that use Pocket Edition, for example. Um, I visited a school where all they had was old iPads, and the students were doing building 10s and 15s and 20s and really kind of first and kindergarten age numeracy skills. And it was stuff that I used to do with Unifix cubes when I taught. And the only difference is they're modeling it on Minecraft because the teacher doesn't want 
and doesn't have the ability to have all of those manipulatives in the classroom. And so she has four iPads in one of the centers and the students build their math work and they take a screenshot of it. And, are these, and so you have, are these you have the, that very, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to ask, are, are these the same games? I mean, depending on the device, can a kid log into account an account and build their world no matter what these additions are? Or could you talk a little bit maybe about the differences between those additions? Yeah, it's it, it is matrixed a bit. Um, I would say that some of the versions play play well with others. Um, Education edition is definitely the one with probably the most gates around it, and uh, because student data, student privacy is a concern, we want to make sure that um, we're building a system where we've we've monitored all the code. It's closed enough that the students are going to be one of the things for games and learning and games and education that as a former teacher is so important is we're not just throwing things out there to the community because we know, especially on the administration side, we want to make sure that they're vetted and that people know that their student data is safe and secure. And so that's one of the things we focus on with education edition. However, there's some overlap with other versions of the game. For example, um, Steve and I could work on something in Pocket Edition and build a world. We can import that world later on into Education Edition. Um, Education Edition, though, has some additional features that that aren't, as we would say, backwards compatible. So Matrixed is probably the right way to explain it without having a two-hour podcast because mm-hmm. um, there are so many flavors of this thing. Um, but we are consistently trying to work on on making versions so compatible, um, which is challenging, right? With something that's grown so much, and and the more platforms you make something available, the harder it is for everybody to be able to play together. Um, but just over the past few years, the fact that you know tonight when I go home, I have a four year old, and he can be on an iPhone. I have my daughter; she can be on an iPad, and I can be on my Surface, and we can all play in the same world um, for home use. And then I could export that world and import it for school use into Education Edition the next day. It's a giant step forward in flexibility. So a couple other questions I think that pop up when we're talking about Minecraft, and, and I'll throw this one at Steve first, but h- how do I know if I'm winning the game? <laughs> um, the, that's, a, that's a very interesting question, and, and I think um, there's definitely not, not a simple answer. The game itself, it, it's considered a sandbox game. So the environment is intended to be very open-ended, which is what is so appealing, I think, in education is that um, you don't have, you know, there's not just this win scenario. Um, You probably could say that if you play through the game and get to the Ender Dragon and defeat it, that you would beat the game. But um, I don't know, Neil, do you know too many people who have even played it in, in, in such a way that that was truly their goal yeah, I've never beaten the Ender Dragon, so I, I'm I'm embarrassed and happy, I guess, to say that as an employee of Minecraft, that uh, I, I still have not achieved that goal. Um, there, there's definitely a traditional, you know, win state way to play, um, but I think to Steve's point, the the reason that Minecraft is so appealing is that it it appeals to that need. I think that a lot of us have, knowing adults and kids, to not have everything be so polished and perfect, and and be about the points and be about who's best. Um, so many things in video games today are about high score and leveling up and there's a place for that. It's not bad. You know, there's, there's definitely a place for that, but Minecraft is this walk in and do whatever you want. And, and even for me outside of work, like just playing with my kids, um, playing with my family on my own, just being able to not have any of that outside judgment and none of that I'm better than somebody or I'm worse than somebody. I'm just on my own path. 
um, is really, it's very much education at its purest, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and for me, I think that's what's most appealing and trying to bring that more into schools is it is this opportunity to get back to the basics of learning um, at its core, which is here's some goals I've set out in front of you. You know, I'm around to help you and nudge you along that journey, but it's your journey. Yeah. And it's easy for me to say, right, not necessarily being a classroom teacher and knowing the burdens that teachers are under um, at this time. But it, it's just such a nice step in that direction. But and even as as the game goes in terms of like a lot of personal goal setting without even necessarily knowing that you're going into it that way, like you start to want to create something. And then as you, um, you know, you know, like kind of like with the computer programming type thing, if I want to build something that's going to be complicated because I am using Redstone and I get this thing to finally work, um, you know, that's incredibly rewarding. Um, and that might be the goal somebody sets. Um, another thing that I've found so incredible is the the way that kids demonstrate what um, informal, the, the, the value and importance of informal learning and how this game, I mean, the <laughs> I just love how, you know, it, it did not come with a, a rule book or a, a manual and it has more content about how to play this game out there, like Neil had mentioned before, whether it be YouTube or the wikis and things. So people are contributing to the knowledge base continually. So um, from like a constructivist um, standpoint, it's just remarkable. Well, and, you know, so I have kids that what one of the things they do is they create tutorials to teach other people how to do things in the game. So, yeah, I mean, well, it's, let's talk a little bit about that, because I, I find that there's two people, two different kinds of people, right? Like there's people and I'll throw myself and I don't know the first thing about it. When I start to play Minecraft, I either dig a hole and I fall through Minecraft or I get eaten by sheep and I don't know where to go. <laughs> and I got to, you know, Steve and I have had these conversations. I get frustrated because then I look at what Steve's doing and I'm seeing roller coasters and diamond mines and, and towers and dragons. And I'm going, how do I get to there? Now, Steve, you're one of a few people that are in the world and are, are dedicated towards helping people. Tell us a little bit about the Minecraft Mentors Program and how you might help somebody like me learn a little bit about how not to dig a hole to, towards the end of the world. Right. Well, you know, the, the mentor program, I mean, for me, uh, it's been mostly about people who are, you know, getting ready to get, you know, to, to dip their toes in the pool and um, and be able to talk them through, you know, many aspects of the process, uh, you know, starting with just getting set up and, and getting the game running. But um, I will gladly and love taking people into the game and playing a little. But like I had started, you know, like I mentioned before, uh, you know, I really like for people to see the beauty of how kids learn how to play this game. So wherever possible, I kind of try to put that back on the the teachers and get them out there learning, you know, from these resources. So if I could point people to resources and get them to kind of kickstart that learning, I think that's, you know, what's really helpful. Um, but yeah, there it's definitely helpful as well to get in the game you know, and play with somebody and kind of guide them around or 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 demo it for them. But um but the, the, the resource the the base of resources that are is out there is just just absolutely incredible. So once somebody gets to understand, hey, if I go to there's a, a guy, Paul Soares, who 
created, you know, a ton of um, YouTube videos on on helping people, you know, survive their first night and things like that. And when educators start to see that if I go there and just like a kid would, I watch that video, I follow along, I do what they did and, and, you know, I can do that too. I think that's pretty powerful. And actually one of the, the first tips I give anybody too is to invite, you know, three to five kids in before school, during lunch, after school. And I have never met a kid that didn't want to teach their teacher how to play Minecraft. Um, so that's tremendous. And then what it does also, and this was very true for me, I, I went into this game, you know, I'm a gamer, but I really did not know much about Minecraft. And I had some reservations myself about bringing this game in that I didn't really know yet. And thinking as a teacher, I'm supposed to know that, you know, all this. And I had that faith in the kids and embraced their expertise. And it was the the first time I really let go of that and, and truly um, saw the amazing power of that. So now my whole style of teaching has changed, you know, to one where I, I believe that, you know, I spend most of my days learning with and from my kids instead of, you know, instead of teaching per se. So there's a lot, a lot of really neat things to, to, to take out of that. Neil, can you talk a little bit about your interactions or your team's interactions with people like Steve, other MIEs, Microsoft Innovative Educators, and really just getting that educational community to help you shape the game that you're creating for classrooms? Yeah, I can. Um, so we actually are taking the mentor program and growing it quite a bit for 2017 and beyond. So uh, we have uh, a small group of available today. Uh, we just publicized a few weeks ago, and I will, I'll send it to you after this. Um, we can send around the link for it as well. Um, people can go to Playcraft Learn uh, our Twitter feed and scroll down a little bit, they'll see it as well. Uh, we decided to grow the mentor group to about 50 individuals from around the world. Um, just as many that have been playing this for four to five years that, uh, and, and just as many who've been playing it for three to six months uh, as well. Um, if you scroll through, you'll see, I can tell you when to stop as I'm kind of talking through it. Um, and Steve actually gave a ton of feedback to me personally when we were deciding to grow this program, as did a few other educators of, hey, I'm enjoying helping the community, but there's a lot of people that want to learn a lot of things. And it's a few more down, uh, two more down. Let's see how good my timing is on it. I think it's right before the hour of code ones is the one. There we go. There's the diamond pickaxe oh, up, up a little bit. Uh, it's right there. If you look for the diamond pickaxe global mentor, there you go. Uh, so that application there will throw out a Word doc. It emails to our team directly. Um, we'll be reviewing and selecting 50 individuals for 2017. And our goal is basically to have a wider base of expertise um, available to help the community. There's, there's nothing more powerful than I'm stuck in a hole. I don't know how to farm. I'm having trouble building a house. I'm stuck in another hole. Um, then reaching out to somebody. Um, you know, Steve knows this as well as I do that the power of the Twitter DM and just having that community uh, informally available to each other is huge. I get tons of random questions about Minecraft that I can answer in 20 seconds that I know are going to unblock somebody else and, and be able to work on their day. And part of my job that I like the best is, is that is, you know, I get a random text message or an email from somebody who's trying to plan a lesson plan for their students on geometry or Egypt or storytelling or whatever. 
And if I can unblock them to being able to bring that learning experience to their kids, that that's a day well spent as far as I'm concerned. And, and so the mentor population is uh, essential to what we're doing with Minecraft because it isn't like other products Microsoft offers, right? It's, we all have some knowledge of what Word is, right? We know what a typewriter is, we have some. But to your point about Minecraft, you have no clue what this thing is outside of a t-shirt or a sticker until you really jump in and play. And uh, you know, the only reason I learned how to play was I was stuck on a city bus going to and from work every day. <laughs> and I cracked open my phone and just sat there trying to get through my first night. And it's hard as an adult. We want the instruction manual, but you just have to get over it. Um, and it's so valuable for, for bridging that gap between what our students' interests are and what our interests are. So let's talk a little bit about this here. Let me see if we can do a little quick, you know, 20 questions style. Can I play Minecraft on my iPhone? Yes. Can I play Minecraft mm-hmm. on my Mac platform? Yes. Can, uh, can, yes, multiple I, versions. Can I play Minecraft on my non-Surface tablet Windows machine? Yes. Can I play Minecraft on a touch screen such as a Surface tablet? Yes. Can I play Minecraft on a Chromebook? Ooh. <laughs> I'll, I'll let Steve question. answer that one. Um, so- but With I, some I think creativity, I guess that's the right answer today. Yeah, but I think so. It's that's that's a really interesting question because as a teacher, um, you know, in a school that has a gazillion Chromebooks, um, yeah. it's unfortunate that it's just not available, and it's it's the the reasons are are I'm sure pretty complicated. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Neil, on a very positive note, um, I believe the Chromebooks, like the newer Chromebooks, are um, kind of moving their operating system a little away from Chrome OS to like an Android operating system with the Google Play Store. Um, so if that becomes the next wave of Chromebooks to show up in schools, then the answer becomes yes. Am I right? Yeah, I can, I can share very, very much nothing officially um, and then chuckle, I guess. I, I can say that, as Steve said, I, we're very excited at the uh, proliferation of Android apps on Chromebooks. It it definitely provides a little bit of a better path um, for being able to make that a reality. And you know, we're well aware. I'm I'm an educator first and foremost, regardless of, of what my job is. Um, and and for me, seeing all of the Chromebooks out there and knowing that those students aren't able to take advantage of Minecraft is is something that, in my current role, I try to voice Steve and other educators' voices around to our team, and that's. A message that we've tried to send loud and clear is we need to figure out how to make this happen. So, so yeah. no, note to self: ask Neil off camera about all these little things he's not telling us right now. <laughs> um, but but, but, on, but I, on, on the you know, not that it's the the answer everybody wants to hear, or whatever. But um, just to be clear, when it comes to the code.org activities, like those two Minecraft themed activities, those you absolutely can do on a Chromebook. Ah, so. there you go. That's the answer yeah. I was looking for. One of the other one of the other hour of code things I wanted to mention that I, Steve knows this full well. Um, but it's not really, we haven't highlighted it, I think, as well as we should as a team, is the last few levels of both of our Hour of Code experiences of the 2015 flavor uh, adventure and the designer one from 2016 are very open-ended. So, for example, the last level of, of the previous year's one in 2015, you can build whatever you want, but not only that, we had this whole series of lessons we were playing around with with students where student A can build let's say a checkerboard on their Minecraft world and student B can try to figure out the code that it must have taken to generate that checkerboard. 
And you could take those activities and go well beyond an hour. And so our teams tried really hard, even though it's labeled hour of code, to provide opportunities in that. And this year's version and this year's flavor has many games and activities that you can do along with it. So I always want to make sure we highlight that, that it's not it's not an hour of code and then that's it. It's an hour of code and then figure out how to leverage the work that we've done on both of those versions, both last year's and this year's. And you can take it well beyond and create weeks of curriculum for your students. So, so let's play the hypothetical game. Let, let's hypothetically assume that you're a non-Minecraft person and, oh, tomorrow morning, you're going into a middle school to train teachers how to use the hour of code tutorials on code.org. Do you have to know anything or can literally... Any teacher next week, just turn on code.org and say, kids, go at it. Um, if I could answer that one, I mean, Please. Just co- code.org um, does a phenomenal job, you know, with these partnerships and everything has a video that guides you through it. So to answer your question, I think it's just amazing for teachers. It, it, the idea behind the hour of code, too, is that. Um, it should be easy to turn key and you can walk into the classroom. Um, I would always suggest to a teacher to spend the half hour, hour yourself, just familiarizing yourself like you would with any lesson, but from a, but, but it's not gonna, you know, you don't need to know anything about Minecraft for sure. And you don't even need to know about programming to guide kids through the hour of code activities. I love it. I love it. I love it. Especially as we're getting ready for, you know, school districts around the world are getting ready to do Hour of Code next week. Uh, Looking forward to that. Um, Steven, I want to get into some resources here, but just to kind of go over some things here, we're talking today to, uh, well, Steve, why don't you do a a quick reintroduction here because it's been a while. Of of myself? Uh, Of of, of our wonderful guest as well. Of our guest, yeah. Well, so I, I, I'll introduce myself real quick, but I teach game design and development at William Adam Middle School in Basking Ridge, um, and I use Minecraft extensively as uh, a game design engine, which is a very interesting thing because I don't like, you know, like many of the other things that have been done in the game, I don't think it was put out intentionally for that purpose. Um, but our wonderful guest, uh, Neil Mangold, is... Um, is works for the Minecraft education team as the senior. What was that other word? <laughs> I just always do the voice, the voice of the teacher, right? Like my yes. the the reason I'm on the team is is I I taught in California and Washington for a decade. Um, I worked on some math curriculum for a while and did some other things. And my role on our team is for Steve and the teachers out there in the community that've been using Minecraft for a while, and the other folks that are brand new. Um, to have a voice of the educator on our staff every day who is making sure we're lobbying for what real teachers and real students need. Um, Our our team is exceptionally good at building amazing games, um, but it's different building a game for for a classroom and and taking a version and and laying the right features on top of that. And so we want to make sure we're building for our audience, not just building the best game, but building the best game and then Features for learning that help empower teachers and students. And, and if I could could add to that from a you know from the teacher standpoint, um, I was involved you know in the beta testing of the education edition, and um, there was so much dialogue um, among the teachers that were involved. And uh, I give Neil you know a ton of of credit um, for being like right in the thick of it you know, and, and with the teachers and hearing everything and, um, you know, perhaps even at times feeling a little like a punching bag, I'm not sure, but, um, but, but, (laughs) but 
you know, just right there, like, like he understood everything and understood the value of, of the educator input. And a lot of the other work that I do with, you know, working with developers and educators, um, I'm always looking for these relationships and opportunities and companies that do that in, in this way. So, um, it was so refreshing to be part of that, um, and really working that closely with Neil and the team. So, um, it's, you know, an understatement for him to even say, you know, the voice of of the educator, because it's so true. And that's um, the value that I personally um, give to that is, you know, is off the chart. So, you know, I kudos to you, Neil, uh, on on that. Well, let's let's take a look at some of these things here and, and see if we can, you know, Again, Steve, if you if you want to take over a little bit here, and we can go some deep dive stuff here. What is the craziest thing that you've ever seen built in Minecraft, where, where even you guys have gone, dude? I would have never have thought that somebody could do that. What is it? How'd they do it? I mean, I, I remember and, Steve. You showed me somebody. Did, or what was it? No, it was when I was out in in Redmond at Microsoft. They showed us the human body, and they were uh, we were flying through a cadaver. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. that was like. Whoa, and I'm sitting yeah. here like running from sheep and somebody's building that. Yeah, what is the yeah. craziest thing you guys have ever seen? Um, the, Adam and Dragnaz, their work is, is tremendous. But one thing that also sticks out to me is um, Neuro and River. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but check them out on YouTube and check out the like the Beetlejuice um, roller coaster and some of the other roller coasters that they created. Because what it does is it merges not only the potential of what you can do technically in Minecraft, but as an art form as well. And the music that, I mean, they've just done some amazing things. Um, there's so many things there's, um, EK theater. Um, that's a group that this guy, Eddie Kim, um, are you familiar with them? Even Neil, cause they, they do this really cool stuff. They'll create these app, like actual, you know, theatrical productions that take place in games and they use a variety of games and they've done some things that I've seen with Minecraft where, you literally have, it's like five people controlling the computers, you know, one controlling the camera, one, you know, the, the actors and actresses in, the voice actors, and they're all there live. And it's just so like the the creativity that people show in how they translate this game to what they want is is crazy. Yeah, I, it's interesting when people talk about, you know, like the 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 most crazy things you've seen in Minecraft. I'm I'm always drawn to, I think I'm a sucker for the teacher stuff. So I'm always drawn to the things where I can see students making connections in their work, even if it seems simple to us as adults. Um, and my background's mathematics. So when I see students doing things mathematically, but not understanding, they haven't formalized anything, but they're able to do it. So I've seen kindergartners and first graders building walls and understanding multiplication without having any idea how to spell the word multiplication or caring at all what that means. Um, but they're able to go, I'll, I'll ask a, a child, I'll say, you know, how did you know how many blocks? Well, I knew it was 30 because it's six and five. And I'll just look at them. I'll be like, do you know what six times five is? And he'll look at me like, I have no idea what the <laughs> heck you're talking about. And and that kind of stuff to me is the most appealing. It's it's that level of a creative design. You know, my, I always, I mean, Steve knows this story. I always tell the story of my son who who is, he's a crazy man. He probably always will be. I love him to death. Um, he loves to play the drums. And we had the probably not smart idea to buy him his own little set of drums. 
<laughs> and I showed him a little bit of redstone. And in redstone, we have something called note blocks. And with note blocks, you can make percussion. And you can connect the pieces of percussion to make, you know, a snare drum combination or a bass drum combination. And I watched him sit with my laptop and sit with a drum set and try to figure out if he could recreate the beats that he was making in Minecraft on the real drum and then the vice versa. And I don't ever think of my child as any different than any other four-year-old on the planet. It just happens to be his interest is percussion. And there's some other child out there and their interest happens to be, to Steve's point, creative and theater design. You know, we've seen ones where students build the entire working theater and they film from the perspective of the seats and the students perform Shakespeare plays on stage. And, and for me, that's where it's just, it's so cool to watch students who have interests that are different than their classmates, which is totally normal as a parent, but as a teacher is like the hardest thing for us to figure out how to manage. And then to give them this platform where I used to have 32 students in my class and they say, well, what can we do with this? And I say, whatever you want. <laughs> to them, it's just dumbfounding, right? Like it's the ultimate differentiation tool where I can say today, we're gonna focus this week on ancient Egypt. Here are the topics I'd like you to demonstrate, go. Um, I even talked to a teacher earlier this week and he lets his students vote on the one time they get to use Minecraft each month because they have such limited computer lab time. And so the students vote on what they think the lesson or the experiment huh. or the unit is that would be most applicable to Minecraft. And they go wow. down the road. That was super cool. I, I love um, those stories. It brings it brings the students into the, the planning process and the design thinking that goes into the curriculum. So, mm -hmm. well, that, um, But that, yeah, to the amazing build side, I mean, I work in our office. So uh, we <laughs> have people in our office that get, that get paid a salary to play Minecraft all day. So they do some pretty amazing things. Well, I, I wanted to flip this the similar question, but a little bit differently here. And, and you guys started to hit on it a little bit. Take off the educator hat. What have you seen Minecraft do for your own children? And I know you had given me this, you know, a little bit of that, but but what have you seen out of your kids? I, I, I was totally with you as a as a music teacher. I was with you completely on that drum thing until you said four years old, and that <laughs> yeah. that one got me because because Steve knows I I have three year old triplets here. I couldn't imagine them. I don't know. How do I start them playing Minecraft? When do I start them playing Minecraft? But four years old, that's amazing. It's, um, so, you know, the, what you just asked is, is, is a good one for me as well. The, um, so my daughter, Layla, um, we, my wife got, um, you know, a lot of little bits for school and, and, you know, Layla was pretty excited about those. And then I heard that there was a mod for Minecraft where you could, um, use, you know, the little bits and the game and you could do things with the little bits like, um, you know, press a button and the door would open in the game or you could uh, stand on a pressure plate in the game and it would light a real LED light in the real world. So that piqued her interest. Um, so we started playing around and that led to her doing a YouTube video, you know, walkthrough of of some of the things you could do in it, which was really, you know, ended up being quite well done in terms of her animated self um doing the youtube video but then we decided um it was actually <laughs> i tell this story a lot i my wife and i wanted to go to an ed camp and um in order to go we needed layla to go with us so we asked layla if she would like to go to ed camp um and she said no and i said well would you like to go and maybe we could lead a session at the ed camp and she immediately said yes so then she and i you know got together and started planning, you know, how we could 
engage other educators with this uh, bitcraft thing. And, and that led us to presenting at other things. So she and I have been out presenting at a number of conferences. Um, we even have a proposal in that I hope they accept at ISTE. But getting her out there and being excited about presenting she's really loving, you know? So it was like a way for her to kind of, and it, it goes back to that kind of expertise thing. It's like when she could become, you know, proficient enough at this, that she could then share that with adults primarily, because it's usually educators that we're speaking to. Um, that's really opened, um, you know, a neat experience for her and for she and I to, to participate together. So that's been really awesome. And, yeah, and I, I would say, I would say just for say, me, Steve. my kids are only, they're only able to play when they play together. Um, so I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old and almost always, unless one of them is is out and, and I'm subbing in for them, they, it's, it's just about them working together. And I, my own history, I'm an only child, so I have no wow. concept of dealing with siblings. So wow. uh, I, I turn to my wife, who's much more skilled in everything than I am and say, what on earth am I like? It's challenging for me as a parent to think through having siblings because I've never experienced that. And and my kids play Minecraft together on multiple devices. And sometimes they're just free building in their own space. Sometimes they're building together. Sometimes my son is asking my daughter for help. Sometimes my son is project managing my daughter's build. It, it varies. Uh, but, but for me, that's one of the value props that I, I hate saying that it comes for free with Minecraft, but it kind of does. Um, when you get students building and creating together, they're doing so much debating and arguing and discussing and working out. It's, it's all of that stuff that when I'm now able to take a step back from my own teaching practice, I wish I had integrated more into my own teaching is doing more debating and discussing all of these things I do day in and day out in my job that I realized my formal schooling didn't do as much of as it should. Um, Minecraft is yet another way to bring those, you know, some people call them soft skills, which mm -hmm. is such a tough term for those, <laughs> but, but bringing those skills in, um, you know, Steve's class I'm sure is like this, but one of the first classes I visited, it was so loud in there and the mm -hmm. teacher pulled me aside and I, I asked her, I'm like, it's so loud in here. How do you manage? <laughs> and she said, why don't you walk over and listen to the conversation the students are having? And they were having this incredibly loud, but poignant conversation about whether they would use um, clay blocks or stone blocks because of the aesthetics. They were building our towns. They were building the sets from our town and they were debating over what would be more authentic for the time period. And once I stopped worrying about the decibel level and started listening to what the conversations were that students were having, it was really amazing. And I, I do see that echoed at home. And that's what I tell most parents. I say, you know, I think four, in my own opinion, I always think four, four and a half is a good time to start something like Minecraft when mouse and keyboard is possibly coming into play, but they can use a touch device, um, but not doing it by themselves. I, I'm a big fan of games and technology never being solitary unless they absolutely have to be. And Minecraft is built to be collaborative. So. Mm -hmm. so I was listening to the radio today and they were doing an interview with John Bon Jovi, who was talking about his kids and how his his older kids know that he's this mega rock star, but his teen his younger teenage kids don't really get the concept that he is John Bon Jovi. <laughs> Neil, do your kids understand that when they're playing Minecraft, like you're the guy that makes Minecraft and daddy okay. gets to build that? Do they do they know that? Do you talk to them about that? Do they have any idea? Or do they just like look at a game, throw it aside, and you're like, dude, I spent 24 hours building this thing? Or yeah, Do they, they get it? <laughs> my, my kids don't think of it like that. It was actually pretty funny because the 
the company that I worked at prior, I wrote math curriculum for, for a software company. Uh -huh. And my daughter used that curriculum in her day in and day out. And I would sit there and go, oh my gosh, I wrote this lesson and here's my daughter <laughs> and my classmates working on it. And, and it's as an adult, it's super powerful, you know, like to think that you're having that kind of an impact. The kids don't care. Uh, the, 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 all the kids want to know is when I come. I don't know if you guys have this on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, we have this watchdogs program to, to bring more dads into schools and volunteer. And I'm already volunteering, so I'm in there a lot. And the kids just want to know if you have stickers. Like <laughs> they think it's cool that you work at Minecraft. They don't understand. You know, I'm not a software engineer. I work on the curriculum side of things, so I instantly become less cool. Right? <laughs> they want the people that actually program the features. You want the um, people in the matrix. Yeah, I think my kids just have a hard time, and I think most kids do, separating my role relative to them. You know, I, I saw a student the other day I had that just graduated high school, and he doesn't look at me as a Minecraft employee or anything else. He looks at me as Mr. Manigold that gave him a hard time because he couldn't write a complete paragraph and we worked okay. through it over a year, right? Like, the like kids have that thought process. The same way I'm sure all three of us, right, when we were kids, I didn't realize my teachers had social lives, right? Or that they existed outside the school. I thought they were magical beings that just kind of vanished. <laughs> and if I saw them at the supermarket, I freaked out. I, I, um, I think right now I'm freaking out because I'm realizing that my kids have social lives and it's right there on Facebook that we can see them doing those things. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that's a that's a whole nother uh, anyway 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 another day <laughs> all right all right back, back to minecrafts here um j just kind of in wrapping this up you know steve every time you and i get together for a minecraft show we always end by saying and let's do another one and, and neil look obviously thank you so much for coming on today to shock to talk about not only hour of code but minecraft edu and 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 where we're going from here i would love to have you guys back on and, and maybe we can talk more about the uh the newly recreated minecraft mentors program as you guys you know mold that a little bit here and and before we really sign off here steve i i want to kind of throw it at you to to kind of finalize where we are with things could you talk to us a little bit about your role as an mie one of the questions that i always ask at the end of our mie shows is what does the mie program mean to you could you could you just talk a little bit about the program and how it works and really what what has it provided for you and what can you provide to it? Yeah, so, I mean, the MIE, the Microsoft Innovator Educator um, program, has been incredible in terms of community first um, for me. the it, It's kind of neat when you, everything that I do is about, you know, finding like-minded people, right? And the MIE expert community is all people that share similar passions. Um, I was super excited that um you know when i applied i was kind of like you know hey the main product i'm really really focusing on is minecraft and i didn't know if that was at the time you know um gonna you know i guess cut it or what have you um because minecraft was new to microsoft at the time um but but it's been neat to like be connected with so many minecraft educators and then what i've also noticed is that so many in the MIE community are very interested in Minecraft, but because I have that side that that's my focus, um, it, it has something that I can offer to them. And there are plenty of MIEs that have all of the other skill sets that, and, and product knowledge that I don't have. So you've definitely got that. But one of the things I found right away, which was kind of neat is I found that I had um, an inclination to want to be connected with 
anybody I knew that was an MIE expert on social media because I felt like we had this, you know, kind of common um, bond, you know, by being part of, of that program. And, and Microsoft um, does a really fine job with, with that in terms of, you know, I'm involved with some other like ambassador type programs and, and the MIE program definitely um, values educators and demonstrates that value. And, you know, at ISTE last year, um, many of us were able to be brought together, um, you know, uh, to participate in their summit and things like that. So you, it really is a community that, um, that there are opportunities to be very involved in. And I value that, you know, greatly. I love the stories, and I always love asking MIEs what what is their main thing that they take away from the program. And honestly, Steve, I've done eight of these shows already to a T. Everyone says the word community first and, yeah. and family and things like that. So I, I want to just kind of end it there and say if you're out there listening and you're interested in joining the MIE program, you can check out all of our shows over on teachercast.net slash MIE Spotlight. The entire podcasting series is there. You can check them out, subscribe. And, of course, over there we have links to learn more about the MIE program. Of course, you can go over to the uh, Microsoft community over education.microsoft.com and check out everything going on there with the program. Guys, I want to say thank you so much. Let's definitely do this again as the program expands and as the you know, as Minecraft just continues to totally dominate everybody. Neil, I, I'm going to ask you off camera here for all the links, all the everything that we can do to make sure that the show notes here are fantastic. Where can we go to find out more resources? And lastly, where can we go to reach out to you, Neil, for uh, help on what to do with stray sure. sheep? So uh, our education site is education.minecraft.net, which is basically everything that we offer um, has everything from. I think we just added our 50th lesson plan, which which is which is huge for us moving forward. So that has lesson plans and trainings, everything focused specifically on Minecraft. Um, to follow our team on Twitter is PlayCraftLearn. Uh, also, if you go to our site on the top right, you can see the Twitter icon right there: Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, uh, all of all of our social friends. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's just Neil Manigold. Uh, I'm not very creative with my naming. Um, so you feel free to, to follow me on there. And, and the Steve knows and other people do in the community. Uh, hashtag Minecraft EDU is the easiest way to get assistance through social media um, with Minecraft. Ask a question. Um, I'm on there far more than I should be. I should be sleeping. Steve is exactly the same. And we have enough folks around the world that no matter your time zone, you're always going to find somebody able to help you. Uh, and you know, to echo Steve's last point, it it really is both the MIE program and the Minecraft community and things like that. It it really is kind of building a professional learning community um, with like-minded interests. And when he was there with everybody else at ISTE to see a hundred MIEs in a room all focused on the same ideas and to know the scale and the impact that they all have out there for kids is it's really cool for me to see as an educator and a parent to know, you know, I'm a big fan of any educators that are willing to give over and above um, their regular school day and, and extend their practice and deepen their professional interests. And the MAE program definitely has that in spade. So it's been really cool to be a part of. Steve, where can we go to find out more about the great things that are happening in your classrooms? Um, definitely follow, you know, Twitter. I, I broadcast, um, everything that's happening in my classroom, um, at Mr. MR underscore Isaacs, I-S-A-A-C-S. Uh, I have a blog as well 
called gamesandlearning1.blogspot.com. And I put a lot up there. Um, yeah, I would say those are those are the places for me. Uh, but definitely Twitter. I'm I, I I'm I, I'm known to be be around on Twitter occasionally. <laughs> very very cool, guys. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your passions about Minecraft with us. It is still Minecraft, right? M I N. It is for now. We'll try not to switch it on you before the next time. All right, because because if I need to get mind mind mindscraft, I don't know anything like that. Mind <laughs> Minecrafters, anything. Guys, thank you so much for spending time with us today. This is episode 142 of the TeacherCast Educational Podcast. Thank you guys so much for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. Of course, we hope that you subscribe to this and all of our shows over on TeacherCast.net slash audio and TeacherCast.net slash video. And if you're interested in this stuff, I can't say enough. Check out our MIE Spotlight series. You can find all all the information on TeacherCast.net slash MIE Spotlight where you can find and subscribe to all of our shows. On behalf of everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.